You're listening to the Historian's Podcast. I'm Bob Cudmore. It's a pleasure to welcome a hardworking, I will say young man in, in relationship to me, a young man who has a great interest in history and has done a lot uh, to further uh, history in his uh, area. That's Mike Hauser from Fulton County. How you doing, Mike? Doing well, Bob. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, Mike Hauser focuses on sports. Currently, he is writing a column called Upstate New York Sports Lore, a monthly column for the Leader Herald newspaper about sports history. Let me start with uh, one of uh, your columns. Uh, It's about Jack McKean, and I hope I'm pronouncing his name correctly, but if not, feel free to correct me. Uh, uh, Jack McKean, uh, I know of him, uh, he's got a direct connection to Gloversville, and he was a manager of the uh, World Series winning Florida Marlins uh, not too long ago. Can you tell us uh, his story? Yeah, um, Jack's probably one of the more, I'd say, probably the most accomplished uh, former Gloversville Glover. Um Back in the 30s, up until 1951, Gloversville had a, a professional team called the Gloversville Glovers that played in the uh, D-level uh, Canadian-American League. And um, in 1950, a young catcher named John McKeon, which now goes by Jack, uh, came and played. He was a catcher for the Gloversville Glovers. It was his second year in professional baseball, his first full season. And he got his start here in Gloversville. Um, he played about 10 years in the minor leagues, didn't have what it took to be a, a major leaguer as a player, but in the middle of his minor league days, he started coaching and, you know, became a player manager. And, uh, after almost 20 years of that, he got his debut with the Kansas city Royals in the early seventies as a major league manager. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he, he spent, you know, the next probably 30 years managing different teams, Cincinnati, uh, like I said, Kansas City, San Diego. He um, also developed a a reputation as Trader Jack when he was the general manager for the San Diego Padres. Mm -hmm. He was always pulling off blockbuster trades. Mm. Um, So, you know, 30 years at the major league level, uh, you know, the one thing that really eluded him was a World Series ring. And at the age of 74, he was brought out of retirement to take over the uh, Florida Marlins back in May of 2003. Mm-hmm. You know, the Marlins were in last place. Things were not looking good for him. They really shook things up, and they fired manager Jeff Torborg, and they brought McKeon out of retirement. And a lot of people, you know, stuck their noses up at that. You know, we got an old guy, 74 years old. Mm. And... Uh, you know, the, the rest is kind of history. You know, Jack obviously took him to the World Series and beat the New York Yankees at Yankee Stadium uh, to win the 2003 World Series. And, you know, with that became the oldest man to win a World Series. Wow. And he, uh, Jack McKeon, has come back uh, to uh, Gloversville, correct? Yeah, Jack is, is a guy who doesn't forget his roots, doesn't forget anybody along the way. And... Uh, you know, we formed a relationship with him, um, you know, back before he went to the World Series. You know, we were doing, as we were doing baseball research 20 years ago, we would reach out to him, and he was always very cordial. 
and it turned into a nice friendship. And he's been back to the area several times in the last 10 years. He, uh, you know, last year he was the guest speaker at the Amsterdam Mohawks Hall of Fame dinner. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's been to Gloversville. He was managed the very first vintage baseball game in Fulton County. He came out of retirement to, to manage the AJ&Gs. Um, and then uh, just a few weeks ago, he was back in town to help us dedicate one of our uh, sports historical road markers. Really? And what was that marker? That marker is actually the fifth marker we've put up. Um, this one went up on the corner of Route 38 North and Fifth Avenue in Gloversville in front of the House of Pizza restaurant to denote that that's where Glover's Park was, where he and the Canadian American League Gloversville Glovers played back in the you know 30s through 51. Mm-hmm. And you know the site now is a big parking lot, and it's part of the running store and the Hannaford uh, grocery store. Well, the uh, field where the Glovers uh, played is one sports facility of historical importance, but there are a couple of others that I know you've been associated with. Can you tell us about uh, Parkhurst Field? Yeah, this this one is uh, this one has some really deep history. Um, I grew up playing at the Gloversville Little League on Harrison Street in Gloversville, and you know we always thought and knew it was a special place. And up on the board, uh, on the front of the building, when I was a kid, it said, "You know, welcome to Parker's Field, a home of baseball for 70 years." And this was in the 1970s, early 80s. And nobody, we never questioned that. What did that mean? Home of baseball for over 70 years. And about I don't know, 10 years ago, when myself and Dave Karpinski started running the Gloversville Little League, uh, we were working on some grants. So we kind of started digging into the history a little bit. And what we found was that slogan had some serious meaning. Um, the ballpark had actually opened up in 1906. Um, and it was a professional baseball stadium, home to the uh, AJ&Gs, which was the Amsterdam Johnstown Gloversville team, which played in the New York State League. Mm-hmm. So professional baseball has been played at this site for 110 years now. Mm. And the railroad uh, ran it for some time, the Fonda Johnstown and Gloversville Railroad? That, yeah, they actually are the ones that founded the team. Um, they just leased a big piece of farmland, um, on Harrison Street, and what they were trying to do, they strategically picked that spot. Um, a, it was between Gloversville and Johnstown, and kind of central to Amsterdam, and and it was also it butted right up against the uh, FJ and G railroad line. Mm-hmm. So what their vision was was a they could make money on gate, you know, selling admissions, and then the other thing is they were hoping that all three cities would embrace it as their home team, so it would increase their fan base, increase ticket sales, and then the big hook was they were a railroad company. They liked selling uh, fares for their railroad. Sure. So they were hoping they would get lots of people coming from Johnstown and Amsterdam uh, to come support the team. And I guess it worked out for a while, and one of your recent newspaper columns talked about a man who uh, played there, uh, Myron Frederick Grimshaw. Uh, can you tell us about him and how he uh, actually ended up coming back to Parker's Field? Yeah, this is this is a fun one. Now, what's nice about Grimshaw is, you know, he's he's from Montgomery County. You know, he was uh, born and raised in Canada, Harry. And 
Uh, he spent a bunch of years in the minor leagues in the late 1800s, turn of the century. And then around 1905, he made it up to the major leagues as the first baseman fielder for the uh, Boston Americans, which became the Boston Red Sox. So in July of 1907, part of our research, we found that the Boston American team came and played an exhibition game at Parker's Field, which was AJ&G Park at the time, um, en route from uh, the Huntington Fairgrounds, because Fenway Park wasn't built yet, uh, en route from Boston to play uh, the Tigers in Detroit, they stopped in Gloversville, and you know they took advantage of two things. A, the railroad spur that came off of the main line going down through the valley, and what we're guessing is Moose Grimshaw had something to do with it. Mm-hmm. You know, back then, the major league owners would make their players play these exhibition games between cities or, you know, on off days. And that was their way of covering all the expenses of that trip. The, the gate money they got from these exhibition games paid for their hotels, the train fares and their meals for that particular road trip. Mm-hmm. Um, but what we're guessing is since this was a, a brand new park, it was state of the art for at the time. I mean, Anybody building a stadium in the Northeast would come here to look at this. Uh, a guy named Samuel Lucas built it, and it was it was state-of-the-art. But the big thing was we believed that because it was so close to Grimshaw's hometown that all the people from the Valley, you know, his family, his friends, all the fans from down in Canajahari area would come up to the game and, you know, buy train tickets to come up. Mm-hmm. And it actually worked out just the way they – they had hoped because there was a huge crowd and they say one of the articles we found on a quote in the leader Herald back then was that, uh, you know, it was well worth the admission to watch all these major leaguers play. You know, you had Mm -hmm. Cy Young who didn't actually play, but he was a player manager. So he was here. And, you know, by that time in his career, he had won almost 500 games. So he was a well-known figure in baseball. But they said um, getting to watch Moose Grimshaw play shortstop, which he normally never did, was worth the admission alone. <laughs> Very good. So he had a lot of fans here. That, um, so what you would ask was later in life, you know, that's a pretty neat connection. But when his major league career was over, uh, around ni- the mid ni- the, the mid teens. Um, we had a, when professional baseball left, we still had a semi-pro team called the Danforths. And Grimshaw came up here and he uh, tried out and made the team. And then the following year, he was the player manager. Really? really? So he kind of ended his career up here. Now tell us about the transition. This field was started by the Fonda Johnstown and Gloversville Railroad, uh, and they called it AJ&G Park. And then it became Parkhurst Field. Who was Parkhurst? So the E.S. Parker's Textile Company, um, you'll actually see a, an old rundown building that's vacant on the corner of uh, Harrison Street and Route 30 mm-hmm. in Gloversville. Um, they owned that whole corner, and they bought the AJ&G Park. Uh, it's kind of for a recreational thing for their employees to play ball, to have picnics on weekends. They had some community gardens in the area. And, uh, you know, while professional baseball left, uh, semi-pro came in 
And then for the next, you know, 30 years, it continued to host exhibition games, uh, world-famous exhibition teams, Negro League teams, Cuban teams would come and play here. Um, and it was around 1916 when the Parkers family took over that they renamed the park Parkers Field. Mm-hmm. How is it uh, operated today? Is it the Little League that owns it? or So the Little League owns it today, but it's, uh, it's kind of neat. What happened was in 1955, when the Gloversville Little League officially started, um, that park had sat vacant for several years, um, and it was just one field. They approached the Parkers family, who let them take it over. And, I, you know, I don't know if it was a dollar a year, but it didn't cost literally anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mr. Parkers, who would actually be the grandson of uh, E.S. Parkers, continued to let the Little League use it up until the 1990s. And it was at that point when uh, the Little League uh, board of directors came up with the idea. They saw that Mr. Parkers was getting up there in, in years, so they approached him about buying the property from him. Mm-hmm. So the Little League did a fundraiser and uh, Mr. Parkers gave him a good deal on the land and they officially bought the property and now own it. We'll continue with our conversation with sports historian Mike Hauser from uh, Fulton County in just a moment. I'm Bob Cutmore. We've been producing the Historians Podcast, a weekly podcast since 2014. We've interviewed authors of history books, representatives of local history organizations uh, like Mike. And when you're online, you can uh, take a look not only at uh, the current edition of the Historian's Podcast, but also uh, previous uh, episodes are archived. And once a week, in addition to debuting a new podcast, we now uh, debut, if you will, or move up to the head of the line, a podcast from the past, a new popular feature we call From the Archives. All of this takes money for production expenses, and I'd encourage you to uh, make a donation to our GoFundMe campaign. Uh, It's easy to find online, gofundme.com forward slash historians2016, and you can make your pledge. If you'd rather just send a check, please make the check out to me, Bob Cudmore. Send it to 125 Horstman Drive, Scotia, New York, 12302. That's 125 Horstman Drive, Scotia, New York, 12302. Thank you. And let's get back to our Historians podcast interview with Mike Hauser. Uh, talking about um, par- uh, Parkhurst Field up in uh, Gloversville, uh, you have a museum there, do you not? Yeah, we do. As, as part of our uh, research for our grants, we ended up with a tremendous amount of old photos and articles. And one of, one of our founding members passed away named Bill Kratke, and we invited his family and... Uh, they made a considerable donation and we gave, you know, they told us to spend it how we see fit, but we came up with a couple ideas and the one they liked was using some of the funds to actually build a museum right on premise uh, to document the history of the park. So that's what we did. We took over in the main building, we took over a, uh, basically a, an old storage area that was just cluttered with vending machines and supplies cleared it out, 
and we built a little, we call it a little mini uh, Cooperstown Hall of Fame. Yeah. Uh, half, half of the museum documents the early history of the park from when it first opened in July 1906 mm-hmm. uh, up until around 1950, and then the second half takes it from 1955 to present, and it thoroughly documents the history of Lovers of Little League. And what is the, the organization called that uh, I believe you founded? Actually, Dave Karpinski founded what's called the Parkhurst Field Foundation. Um, Dave helped me run the Little League for many years. He was the president, the vice president, uh, helped with fundraising. And he was the real driving force behind some serious grants that we received that enabled us to fix the entire park up. Mm -hmm. Uh, He came up with the idea to found this foundation so that the Little League, basically the history is never lost again, and two, that the league would one day become self-sustaining. His dream is to rebuild the park uh, to look like it did 110 years ago. Uh, His his idea is to rebuild the original grandstand Mm -hmm. in its original spot, Um, so we'll have one premier field that would be in the actual spot where the first field was, um, you know, so kids can come here and say they're standing in the same batter's box as Moose Grimshaw and Honus Wagner and Doc Moonlight Graham, who all played here. Mm-hmm. In addition to the Parkhurst Field Foundation, there's also a Fulton County Sports Hall of Fame uh, dating back to 2012. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, we a group of us started this. Um, basically, we wanted to recognize... Uh, people who were from Fulton County who went on to play professionally or do something very significant at the collegiate level or, or who came to Fulton County to hone their skills. Um, so each year we have an induction. We induct anywhere from two to five guys every year. Um, we haven't inducted a female yet, but we've got a couple high on the list that we're <laughs> going to induct. Okay. Um, so we're trying to recognize the people from the area that wanted to do great things. One of the uh, inductees, I believe in 2015, uh, was George Burns. Uh, You were kind enough to help me so I could put a chapter about George Burns in my recent, um, most recent history book, Lost Mohawk Valley. Uh, Who who was George Burns? Of course, not the famous comedic actor. Right. George Burns was was a major leaguer who played 15 years in the majors, uh, 10 of those with the New York Giants under John McGraw. And Burns is kind of a vital part of everything I'm doing. Um, He's actually a relative of mine. Growing up, I used to hear my grandparents talk about Uncle George, the baseball player. Hmm. And as I got older, I researched him and, you know, realized that, wow, he was, you know, he's in the upper echelons of the record books. He's like 240th on the all-time career hit list. Hmm. You know, 240 out of the 15,000 people who have played is pretty impressive. Mm-hmm. And one of the clues we had that there was some history that made us start digging a little bit was a family story talked about him bringing the entire Cincinnati Reds team to play in Gloversville, an exhibition game in 1923. And this was right in the middle of the season. You know, a major league team came to Gloversville. Wow. So we didn't know where the game was, you know, and as we dug in, we realized it was at, it was at Parker's Field. Hmm. 
And George Burns, after leaving uh, the major leagues, uh, and, and settled or went back to Gloversville. Yeah, he he was actually born in Utica, and the family kind of worked their way to the St. Johnsville and Little Falls area. And during the 19, I think, 20 season, his he and his family actually moved to Gloversville. And so while he was still in the major leagues, he moved and, you know, took up residence in Gloversville, where he lived until he, until he died in the mid-1960s. Hmm. And um, one thing I thought was interesting is that he was such a nice man or a good guy. Apparently he was never, I forget, I hope I get it right, it was never ejected from a ball game for untoward Correct. behavior. He, he never he never believed in arguing with the umpires. And his philosophy was, you know, arguing with them is not going to do anything except get you in trouble. And, you know, maybe down the road, they'll give you a break on a close call. Now, most of what we're talking about with uh, Mike Hauser has to do with baseball, but I have at least one other uh, sport to uh, bring up, something completely different. Another member of the uh, Fulton County Sports Hall of Fame is Jumpin' Jack Johnston. Who is he? So Jack Johnston was uh, a Gloversville native, born and raised here, who was actually the uh, back in the mid-'70s, he was the world champion freestyle aerialist and the guys that do flips on skis. Ah. And this was back in the infancy of the sport. And he started his career in Gloversville. He was a great swimmer, which turned into him being a diver. So he, you know, do lots of flips off the diving board into the pool at the old Gloversville YMCA. And as he took that into high school and developed it, he was also the, the Johnston family who uh, owned Dick and Peg's Northward Inn going up towards Kroger Lake out of Gloversville. The family were all big skiers, mm-hmm. and he combined his love of skiing and uh, diving. And, you know, one of the guys that revolutionized the sport. You know, he was kind of the Tony Hawk of the day. <laughs> no, it and wouldn't apply. kind of the reason our Hall of Fame initially was going to be a baseball Hall of Fame. And... I kept going back and thinking about Jumpin' Jack, and I'm like, how can we have any kind of a sports hall of fame in Fulton County and not have Jack Johnston in it? So that's when we expanded it to all sports. Just listening to you, I've come up with a theory about why sports is so central up in Fulton County. I mean, you, you have this Twin Cities phenomenon. Johnstown and Gloversville are cities very close to each other, but they're very competitive, so that that makes it so people pay more attention to sports. Yeah, and what's what's unique is people are always under the impression that the rivalry between the towns has to do with football. You know, the, the famous Gloversville Johnstown game. Mm-hmm. When actually, the rivalry started over baseball. You know, we had touched earlier on the AJ and G concept mm-hmm. of having a central spot and trying to get all three communities to embrace one team. Well, it backfired because the the fans from Johnstown found out that the fans from Amsterdam were paying different rates and the fans from Gloversville, that everybody was paying different rates for the uh, plane, or, I'm sorry, the train tickets. And hostility formed out of that and hard feelings. And I won't say which city, but one of the cities decided they were going to stop uh, patronizing the team and attendance fell off and 
that's where the rivalry actually started. Uh, now, and also, we, we've talked about the famous fields of Gloversville, right? the Parkhurst Field and uh, the, what was uh, Glover's Park. But Johnstown has an, a great athletic field. I, I go there the past couple of years to see fireworks. That's Knox Field in Johnstown. Yeah, Knox Field was built, I believe, in the early 30s. Um, and it's you know been home to all the high school sports, the Glove City Colonials which we're starting to dig into the history of that team. It's a semi-pro football team, which was a powerhouse in upstate New York uh, back in the 70s. Mm-hmm. Um, and before Knox Field, um, even before Parker's Field or AJ&G Park, was the old Johnstown Fairgrounds off of Perry Street in Johnstown. Mm-hmm. And they actually, the team that came to Gloversville in 1906, had actually previous played at the Johnstown Fairgrounds. And in 1905, they were the New York State League champions. Wow. What's what's next uh, for your various endeavors here? The Parkers Field Foundation, Fulton County uh, Sports uh, Hall of Fame, and even for your column, Upstate New York Sports Lore? Well, with the Hall of Fame, we want to continue to, to honor, uh, you know, our, our athletes who went on to do big things. Um Part of the funds we try to, when we have money left over from these events, we've been building these historical road markers. You know, I talked about the one at Glover's Park and AJ&G Park. We've also put one up at Royal Mountain that denotes that Jumpin' Jack Johnston did his first flip on skis there <laughs> back in the early 70s. Okay. And then last, uh, last September, we dedicated two on the Sacandaga Lake to denote that Peter DeBoot caught, the, at the time, a world-record Northern Pike. Mm. Um, it's still a United States record. We just had a replica mountain done of that historic fish that we're going to hopefully unveil in the next few weeks. So we want to continue to honor these guys, to build more road markers. We had about 10 more sites we want to put road markers at. And, of course, the big thing is is to continue documenting all these things with my column um, you know, I've got ideas for about 50 more stories, well, and sorry. every time I'm writing one, I get ideas for more. Oh, I bet. Now, how can people find out um, more about Fulton County sports history? Um, well, you c- there's a couple websites. You can go to parkhurstfield.org. That'll talk about the history of Parkersfield. Um, there's also the Parkersfield uh, Facebook page. Uh, the Fulton County Sports Hall of Fame website is fchof.com, and we also have uh, a Facebook page, which is uh, fchof. Okay. Or I can be reached uh, at 518-725-5565, and we're always looking for people to give us ideas on players that we should induct or ideas for stories, old newspaper clippings, or photos. You know, we don't want to take possession of them. We just want to make copies of them. Mm-hmm. We have just about a minute left. I think time, maybe I'll just say some of, of this story. Uh, pitcher Jack Chesbro played with the Johnstown Buckskins in 1895, and he went on to be the first pitcher to win a game for what team? The New York Yankees. Well, the New York Highlanders, right? Well, they had been the Highlanders, but apparently they had changed their name to the New York Yankees in time for Chesbro's win, right? Right. 
How about that? So that was Jack Chesbro. Well, maybe we have time for just one more. Um, Chuck Harmon played minor league ball in 1947 with the Glovers in uh, Gloversville. Then he became the first African-American player with the Cincinnati Reds. Yeah, what's unique about Harmon in Gloversville is you have to think about the landscape. In the winter of 1947, Jackie Robinson hadn't made it to the major leagues yet. He had played in the minor leagues the year before. Chuck Harmon was the fifth black signed behind Jackie Robinson, and they couldn't find cities that would take these guys to play. And when a call was made to the management of the Gloversville Glovers saying that we have a black named Chuck Harmon that we'd like to send to you, you know, will you have a problem with that? And they said, we don't care what color he is. If he can help us win, we'll take him. All right. Well, Mike Hauser, I thank you for joining us. Mike Hauser, Fulton County sports historian, our guest on the Historians Podcast. I'm Bob Cudmore.